Oh wait, no longer greatness has arrived. Welcome to the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast made by the players for the players. I'm your host, Joseph, a.k.a. Mr. Badbit, and it is here where me and my best friend Kyle talk about the latest and greatest in all things PlayStation. Of course, you can listen to this show wherever you find your podcasts or on YouTube at the Trophy Room channel. And if you like what you hear, please consider dropping us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or if you really, really like us, you can toss a buck our way over at patreon.com slash PS Trophy Room. So with all that said, and all that out of the way, the greatest co-host, whoever is, whoever will be, Mr. Kyle Stevenson, how are you, sir? Feeling pretty, excuse my French, fucking fantastic. I had yeah. to use that there because I'm feeling the best I ever had in Aww. a very long time. It feels good. Yeah. Birthday was yesterday. The announced that I'm going to be on PS I Love You next week. Mm-hmm. Finally, I can get that off my chest and off our chest because it it's I'm, I've known for a, a while now, yeah. and it, it felt good. And just the overwhelming output output of like support, like my God and love, mm-hmm. man. I was sitting here like until 12, 12 a.m. just replying to everybody and just. In my feelings, as Drake would say, and just crying, <laughs> uh, tears yeah. of joy. So it, I feel, I feel fantastic, dude. I was so happy for you. Seeing, yeah, it was so much, so many people came out and not just congratulate you, not just say happy birthday, but like all of it, all of the above. Hunches of folks. It was awesome to see. It's something where usually when I'm tagged in a post, I'll like the thing, and then depending on like how something. many, yeah, how many like ticks I get from it. I then mute the conversation if it's no longer about me because that's how, you know, self-centered I am. But <laughs> it, it, seeing everybody just, you know, it's all about you and just seeing all the notifications, it filled my heart up because how oftentimes we, where you think you play second fiddle, I'm like, no, dude, mm-hmm. you're awesome and you're amazing. And seeing that, like, I, I, I think I texted you uh, something along the lines of like, look how many people care. This is awesome. This is amazing. Uh- on my you? phone, it says, fuck you, Kyle. <laughs> That's what <laughs> that he texts me. <laughs> Sometimes you need to know. <laughs> Sometimes I yeah, need no. to level that out. You know? <laughs> no, I love you. I love everybody. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. would not be anywhere close to where I am, and I say this all the time, without you looking for a co-host and, and agreeing to have me come on with my busted uh, blue snowball that didn't sound all that great on my dying laptop. Um, yeah, man. To be I here. owe you a lot, so appreciate you. Yeah. Also, sirens on our end. Uh, apparently today, sirens are going like crazy. We, we're, we're about to, we're at the tipping point of, of a Mad Max dystopian oh, good. universe, the, I feel. The, the, uh, the parade I ordered is coming to town. <laughs> oh, a, a few days late, but that's fine. Yeah. Listen, yeah. Kyle, we got a lot to talk about. PlayStation dropped some huge news. We're going to be talking about how the PlayStation 5 shortage will be going into 2022. We'll be talking about the PlayStation 5 having already five or 25 first-party games, exclusive games, headed to the console in the works. We'll be talking about the future or the leak of possibility of the PS5 VR headset. And we're going to be talking about the Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart preview that everybody got to see later, or sorry, earlier today. But before we do, uh, there's more about this Apple, the Epic case, and something that is going to really blow the world wide open. Kyle, I wanna I wanna read you something from the Apple, the Epic court case. Please, please let it be what I think it is, 
because I talked about it on a, on the dual screens cross uh, cross play episode last night. And I'm very excited okay. about this. <laughs> so, and this is huge. And then we'll get into all the PlayStation news. I promise you. Yeah. All right. We're talking about the Peely papers. So as you all know, there's a yes! character in Fortnite named Peely, who is literally just a giant banana with arms and legs. Here is an actual transcript from an actual court case you, by an actual wanna, lawyer to an actual judge. Do you want to read it like a, a like a script? Oh, please. Or we take on roles? Oh, please. Absolutely. I'll text you this right now. Yes. Yeah, do that. I'll be the attorney. You'll be Wessinger. Okay. This okay. is... <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I'm the attorney. Attorney, is there anything inappropriate about Peely without the suit? Kyle? No, there's not. Attorney, if we could just put on the screen a picture of Peely, is there anything inappropriate about Peely without clothes? It's just a banana, ma'am. <laughs> what type of court case are we? What is this? The the best part about that whole um, interaction in the court was they actually put a diagram of Peely without the skin on. <laughs> They're like, "What do you say about this, ma'am? It's a banana. What are you What are you talking about? What What a court case, man! All the craziness that's happening. But with that, now let's finally get into the show. Happy birthday yet again, Kyle. The Peely papers are real. And they are mind-blowing. But before we get into the news, it's time for our Patreon pitch. Of course, uh, we could not do this without all of our amazing patrons over at patreon.com slash PS Trophy Room. I want to thank our newest silver member, Awesome Dave. I want to thank our platinum producers, Todd Berowitz and Too Soon. I want to thank our gold members, Chaotic Monkey, Gavin Goffrey, Griffin West, Jose Jimenez, Jedi Master Ren. Metal Kirby, our Silver Plus members, Hide Indoors, Marcus O'Neill, oh, it's just Ray, JB the Purple Monkey, Jadas Von Metal, Tim Ulf, and Justin Rodriguez. Thank you all so much. Patreon is the reason why we get to grow, why we look so good, why we sound so great. Um, and we have some big news coming in the soon weeks, and it's only possible because of your generosity over at patreon.com slash PS Trophy. really does mean a lot. So with that, Kyle, it's finally time to square up the news. Take it away. The first bit of news comes from Jennifer Locke over at Android Central. Sony expects PS5 shortage to continue into 2022 amid rumors of redesign. The PS5 has been an elusive console since its debut in November 2020, and the company expects that to continue. According to a Bloomberg report, Chief Financial Officer Hiroki Totoki said that despite an attempt to increase supply, demand is not waning and a console shortage will likely continue for at least several more months. These remarks were made in a private briefing following Sony's financial call in April. Quote, I don't think demand is calming down this year, and even if we secure a lot more devices and produce many more units of the PlayStation 5 next year, our supply wouldn't be able to catch up with demand, said Totoki. Satoki's comments come amid rumors that manufacturers are gearing up for a PS5 redesign next year, according to DigiTimes. Don't get too excited, though, because the redesign may be entirely internal to combat component shortages. The redesign will supposedly feature a 6 nanometers AMD proce mm -hmm. processor as opposed to the current model's 7 nanometer processor. 
So Jedi Master Ren actually yelled put... me if I got those NMs wrong. No, you got it totally right. Congratulations. They're nanometers. Nanometers, I believe. Yes. But you know Man, what? For I'm the sake, let's call full... them nanomites because that sounds cooler. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so Jedi Master Ren in the Discord talked about how he likes the design of the PlayStation Five. You know, hot take aside, he thinks it's a great design console. Yeah. He doesn't want it to change. Luckily, I did too after I realized standing up, it looks like a V. Yeah. And V in Roman numerals is five it's for PS5. Like, I really dig that. I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know if I'm just really into the game, but I really, really enjoy that. <laughs> I know. And 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 so take that math first and foremost. But <laughs> look, this this article kind of puts that to, to bed. It's like, no, this is you're going to have the same looking console. What it's going to pretty much be is just since they're shrinking the chip down, it just means that pretty much how these things are made. It's all on a big giant. Just take a look like a cooking rack almost. Right. That's how these chips are made. And by making the chips smaller, you could put more chips on the, they, I think they call them wafers. And so, you know, you could put more chips on the wafer, which means you could produce more units, which means you can try to meet demand. So we go on Twitter asks, do you think the redesign is going to be a slim version of the PS5? We go, I don't think it is. And Kyle, what say you? Do you think we're going to see something cosmetically different with these PS5s, or it's all going to be on that little eternal chip? I, I think a uh, a physical aesthetic redesign only a year away from the full release I, I is, is not going to happen. Yeah. A, a full like aesthetic redesign is like years later. I, I forget when like PS4 went from the the slanty boy, which I really really love, to like the less less like smooth and and glossy look to like the very matte and rugged kind of texture one with like a rounded corners like how long did that the slim ps4 come into into the world after the release i believe it was like two or three years into the right? playstation 4 lifespan is when we got the slim because alongside the slim we got the playstation 4 pro and the 2016. Slim, yeah, 2016. So three years. Yeah, and when I th take a look at like what PlayStation does, this is very much par for course for them. Like, how many redesigns did the PlayStation 2 have? Like, physical of which we can see. You know, we had the basic PS2, and then we had that super slim, right? It was like a, mm -hmm. a clamshell closing. We take a look PS3 at the PS3 even more too. Way more. I mean, when you take a look at the PSP, you had like the PSP 1000. PSP 2000, PSP 3000, PSP Go, right? Um, you had all these iterations of consoles. And yeah, PS3, there are so many SKUs of that console. Yeah, and you got the you got the fat boy, you mm -hmm. have the the slim. That's backwards have, compatible. And then you got the slim that's not. Correct. Mm -hmm. And then you have the weird disc sliding door on the, the top. The super slim. I like the super the slim. It felt like super, super cheap sure. whenever I would get one in as a trade-in when I worked at GameStop. But yeah. I liked yeah. it. I, that's what I played Last of Us on. And uh, okay, I, I dug the crap out of it. But like, we see this all the time. Even with the PlayStation 4, you know, Mark Cerny, one of his famous talks was right after we made the PS4, we were already in how do we get this cheaper mode. So I think this is just just par for the course but tpr writes in he goes yo kyle i mean happy birthday kyle 
and Joe, I don't think an internal PS5 redesign makes things easier unless either demand drops or the semiconductor shortage drops. To have a system functional with the performance and the thermals, it does take now. I doubt there's a lot that can be done to mitigate the PS5 shortages. With that said, I think there's a lot we just don't know about the topic. Number one, Sony isn't transparent with how the internals are changing. And number two, we aren't electrical engineers. I think, yeah, five minutes ago, totally makes sense. In the sense that even people take this system apart, there might not be changes a regular repairman notices. I personally think these things will be easier to find come the second half of 2022, but not super encouraged by the redesign, unless it's a slim model, which appears not to be the case. What do y'all think? So do you think that, yeah, like making the chipset a little smaller, do you think that this is going to help mitigate the, de the or, or help mitigate the demand for this console? Like, what do you think has to fall into place to kind of make sure that the supply finally reaches demand? Because it looks like we're getting a year plus and they still can't make enough of these things. I don't see how changing the size of this chip will just magically make more supply for PS5s to be made to be out there. Because yeah. even even if they make it smaller, they're still going to be used for like the same units mm -hmm. for per se. And is this is me like not knowing technical jargon stuff? Yeah, or just like that world of like the tech, like the very sure. techy tech stuff. Um, is PS5 the only one that uses that chip? And do other things use that chip that are also contributing to the shortage of the chip? No, it's the semiconductors that, that go into the chips that are... Okay. That, it's the okay. components that are being put into the chip Got that's it. making the shortage real bad, yeah. 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 I, I, I don't see how just making it smaller is, is going to just auto, automatically make it be like when I walk into Best Buy... There's actual physical PS5s there that people can walk out with that day. Same thing with GameStop. Be like, yeah, I'd like, you know, a slim PS5 and they'll be able to bring it out to you. Like, I don't see that day coming. Like, I'm with TPR. Like, second half of 2022, which sucks because I believe when we previously talked about it, I was hoping around, like, next January for mm -hmm. people, like, early early next year um, or even, or like, later this year, I think I even said. Yeah. Just, but like now, that's. I mean, with this news, I don't think that's even, even close to becoming a reality, which sucks. I think part of it, like TPR says, like they're not transparent with us, and kind of nor should they be. If I'm honest, like on the production side of things, I think this is them telling their, you know, shareholders, which just was a, you know, a, a call in. So like it's them kind of saying, hey, look, this this system is really popular, so much so that. Yeah, we're gonna have to shrink the the chip down a, a tiny bit, which uh, just so everybody knows, it won't perf you know it won't make the the system perform any better or worse. It's going to be the same chip, just smaller. Maybe maybe it'll help energy efficiency wise, but nonetheless, it's it's not like a night or day difference. All of a sudden, you're not gonna get any more or any less teraflips or skips in this thing. Um, so that said, I think this is them trying to talk to their shareholders, saying this. The, the demand is so incredibly high for this console. People really want this console. And it's probably giving the shareholders a little bit of a, 
a sigh of relief going, okay, all right, so this thing's popular. It's giving them faith to, to, to stick with the Sony brand. So that's what I'm kind of thinking here uh, more than anything. It's, it's, it's cool to see that PlayStation is you know, doing really well. The PlayStation 5 is selling really well. And it does suck that this thing is going to still be rare uh, for the next year and plus. And I think you're right. I don't think this solves it. I think this is a Band-Aid solution. And hopefully by this time, the semiconductor shortage will get on track. I think it's multiple things are in play here. But I think if there is a silver lining, it's that the PlayStation 5 is performing really, really well above their expectations. And I bet you're going to see that they're going to be selling way more than just 10 million plus by the end of the year. But Ace of the Five Star Man writes to us on Twitter, which you can too, if you join our Discord server, link down below, or follow us at PS Trophy Room, uh, just like Asa did here. With the PS5 shortages expecting to continue into next year, do you think this will lead to developers continuing to support last-gen systems longer than they may have initially intended? That's a great question, Asa. Great Thank you question. for writing it in. Yeah. Do you think this is going to have developers going, okay, well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll make, you know, Call of Duty, whichever comes out in two years, we'll also make that on PS4 or Xbox. What do you think? I... First, first initial reaction is no. Okay. I don't think this will change them, their plans to support further than what they already were going to. <laughs> I also don't think it's like um, plausible for them to be like, oh, let's just you know whip up a PS4 version before release like later this year. I don't think that's plausible either. Yeah. Um, I still think they'll probably stick with what their plan is and just have it next gen because it's still selling it's yeah. still like games are still selling incredibly well like re village i believe sold a couple million for example um i think 3.5 they've shipped out right sure. now i yeah. think i think most of those are next gen versions mm-hmm. of those games if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. um so games are still selling incredibly well uh, it's just uh, it's just a bummer for those that can't get their hands on a PS5, and I know how how hard it might be if you're like really diehard into PlayStation and you want to experience the PS5 and all these great games. I know the wait is excruciating. Mm. I can I can only imagine. Um, but I think developers are not going to change their plans and support the the last gen for longer than the plans were already like made out to be. Yeah, I don't think this changes the the you know like the five year year plan. I think you know developers, especially big AAA games, especially indies, are still going to support the PS4 or the Xbox One or or whatever previous gen console you name it. They'll still support it for the next few years until the adoption rate probably hits around that thirty million percent and that or sorry thirty million units sold, and then you're going to see more and more. AAA devs and indie devs focus in on next generation and solely next generation. You know, I think the one thing that we have to stop fearing is that the last generation is going to hold this generation back. Um, I think just like looking at Resident Evil uh, Village is a great example of how great that game looks on PS5. And look, it's on the previous generation. I think we sometimes buy into 
the marketing, not sometimes, we really do buy into the marketing of these consoles and the mythos of these consoles before they come out. Yeah, is last generation going to hold back consoles? Yes, and they do every single generation, but it's not to necessarily the detriment of the PlayStation 5. So no. that's what I, I mean. Th- yeah, go for it. I mean, look at Miles. Look at look at Miles, who also is available on PS4. I'm sure it plays absolutely amazing. I know friends who played it on PS4 and th- and said it was still that same awesome experience that we had on PS5. It just runs better on PS5, and the little extra uh, doodads and and doohickeys are making that game look and sound and feel better on PS5. That doesn't make the game at its base level worse for being on last gen. So yeah. like it's it's totally fine if yeah. it's PS4. And I and think PS4. it does have to and we'll we'll call a spade a spade when Jim Ryan's like, we believe in generations. I think it's that sure. type of narrative that does hurt um uh, you know these these game makers at the end of the day. So yeah, uh listen, PlayStation 5 is going to get an internal redesign. It's not gonna be external. You're not gonna see a performance boost. This doesn't I already saw clickbait stuff of like what does this mean for the PlayStation 5 Pro? We are not even at that bridge yet. Enjoy your please video games. Please don't tell me. Yeah, please, please don't tell me that's a pro. All right. Uh-huh, stop My it. wallet is already internally screaming. Right? <laughs> and when, uh-huh. Yeah, and you're throwing a pro into the mix? Knock no. it off. That said, Kyle, talk about what uh, wallets yelling into the void. Let's talk about this next story here. Peter Rubin over at Wired writes, the PlayStation 5 is starting to look like the revolution it promised. According to Herman Hulst, a Gorilla co-founder whom Jim Ryan tapped to lead PlayStation Studios in 2019, the group has more than 25 titles in development for the PS5, nearly half of which are entirely new IP. Quote, there's an incredible amount of variety originating from different regions, Hulst says. Big, small, different genres, end quote. Indies are getting in on the fun, too. Haven Studios, a new venture from industry veteran Jade Raymond, has partnered with Sony for its next game, as has Firewalk Studios for an unannounced multiplayer title. Ember Lab, an animation and digital studio, is releasing its first major game, the Zelda-esque Akina Bridge of Spirits, in August. Quote, Our groundwork was on the PS4, says Josh Greer, but looking at Game 2, focusing on taking advantage of the SSD, and building mechanics and tools around that will be really fun. I know for sure we haven't fully taken advantage of how actually fast it is. We were getting a lot of benefits of it being just out of the box better, but I think you could push it even more, end quote. So this is just a small little snippet of the Wired article. There's a lot more here, but what Holman Host says is that there are 25 first-party games coming to the PlayStation 5. This is after, like, you know, weeks, maybe even a month or two of like us saying what's happening over at PlayStation. They're being way, way too silent over there. What's happening. We're seeing Microsoft make all these big money moves, right? Buying Bethesda and all that. We're seeing games like MLB, the show land on game pass. It's a song as old as time. Kyle, I come to you seeing PlayStation talk about some of the partnerships they've made uh, a few weeks ago with Firewalk and with Haven Studio. Now, seeing Herman Hulse uh, on this Wire article talk about 25 first-party titles. Do you, do you feel like this article was meant to reassure you as a fan? And do you feel reassured that, okay, the pipeline's good. I'm just in my own head. I mean, I 
I for one have never been worried. I mean, the the, the oh, look at you, Mister Confident. Look at you. Yeah. No, I've <laughs> never been worried as it comes to like what games that are in the works. Mm. Right. I I was worried about not hearing from them. Uh, just just because I feel like they needed to make a move to kind of combat some of the good news that Microsoft was was taking away from them, but um, I've I've never been worried by the quality or quantity of first party exclusives that we're getting. Mm. Um, I just know that whenever they come out, they're going to be my type of game experience that I'm super excited for. Uh, this makes me super excited though. Uh, cause these are all not just like, they're not all from PlayStation studios, right? They are making those strategic partnerships. Like I'm pretty sure final fantasy 16 is part of that list. Mm-hmm. Um, like Kina obviously is being talked about here. I, I love that they're going out and making exclusives, making PlayStation be a giant target of like, hey, this is where if you want to play the best stuff. Come over here to PlayStation. We got the goods. We got the games kind yeah. of thing. Then in addition to that, like maybe not all of these are like uh, reaching out for third party deals for exclusives. But let's say I think this confirms that pretty much all PlayStation Studios developers right Mm -hmm. the the studios behind them have like two probably two projects in development at the same time right like two teams working on stuff so i think you see that like with insomniac right how easy they are like to how quick they are i'd rather of putting out these ps5 games and whatnot so thank thank you for not saying the illegal word you mean banger god damn it (laughs) come on no i think real talk banger I hate you so much, and I, and I, you know what? I'm done with the show. No, um, I. The thing that I like about this news, I think it's a little reassuring. I think it's like, okay, whew, all right, we got stuff, and and it's just, it's just that little mental like I gotta check myself before I wreck myself. Yes, they have like what is it like, thirteen to sixteen, uh, you know, studios internally, and yes, of course they're probably talking to double A studios. I mean, we see it with Haven and and, and Firewalk, right? You know, yeah, they're definitely talking to people and getting shaking the hands and making these deals to make sure that they have a a worthwhile lineup, you know, uh, so so that we could take advantage of. So I like the thing here that it's big, small, and different genres. You know, I think that tackles a few concerns that the Jason Schreier article a few weeks ago said that you know Sony is risk averse. Sony is only focusing on big titles i think that is a really good good thing to say if you're herman holst and i i I bet it's a programmed pr response from him but it is something that is it's him saying to the fans of these are going to be the triple a illegal word (laughs) games right these are also small games indie games double a games and different genres and i think what we see from games like uh returnal is definitely that you know, Returnal is a roguelike third-person shooter, uh, you know, in, in, in a, sh- a shoot-em-up-at-heart. Like, it's a way different game than what we usually see, which are these third-person, albeit, but like AAA uh, open-world action games. This one feels so very different. And yeah, to see them partner up again with Ember Lab on not just Kena, but their future game, shows that, hey, they believe not just in this Kena project, but what this team is going to be doing into the future, 
And it's just such a different approach from Xbox. Mm-hmm. You know, or Xbox is like, we're going to buy you. And, and we don't see that much partnership or collaboration here. We're seeing a lot of collaboration and a lot of partnerships on Sony's behalf. And I really think that's where usually they do some of their best work, Cough, Cough, Bloodborne. That said, Josh Smith. And, oh, sorry, go yeah, for it. Yeah, just real quick before we get to Josh. Um, I think you, you you might have said it. I might have been zoning out. That's How on me. dare you? <laughs> the bright lights are affecting I'm my interesting, brainwaves. interesting, dude. <laughs> You're one, I never said that. I said my brain sometimes zones out. Um, I think what in the case of like Ember Labs with Kina, one that makes me super excited and even more confident that that game is going to be a certified banger. <laughs> and <laughs> number two, um, I love how they're saying like, Nearly half of them are brand new things. Yes. We're not get we're not getting a, a another kill zone. We're not just going to keep getting a Last of Us and Uncharted. We're not going to keep getting uh you know Horizon God of War every other year, every couple of years or whatever, or another Spider-Man. Like brand new IP, which is what everyone wants everyone wants to see new stuff, new takes, new ideas and that has me super excited. Like I'm I'm very excited to see what new things like how Smart did with Returnal. Uh, with with other studios taking that leap because we obviously love what Gorilla did with Horizon. That was a brand new idea, a huge risk for them, and is our one of our favorite games of all time. And why this show is here, like I, I'm so excited. I want to see everyone reach out and make new stuff. And in addition to not leaving all the old stuff behind, yes. They still have that that love for the older franchises. Yeah, but bringing Mm -hmm. new things in all the time. So in the future, like when we get that history of PlayStation banner, like sometimes they did that in the PS4 era where they're like, here are the characters that make PlayStation great. Just have it be even longer and Mm -hmm. just have all these iconic characters in there. I think that I'm getting like goosebumps just thinking about (laughs) it. Like the 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 promise of what that can be is is so it's so damn high. Yeah. And I, I didn't say that, so thank you for, for catching me there. That is yes. the awesome thing. It's like, yeah, look, they're going to pump out Spider-Man. They're going to pump out Ratchet & Clank. They're going to pump out God of War and, and Uncharted for sure. Those are their money makers, their bread and butter. But they're also taking risks. They're also betting on smaller studios, funding smaller studios, and making AA or indie games or supporting those games and giving them a spotlight on the PlayStation ecosystem. And who knows where those partnerships lead. It's awesome that PlayStation leaves that door open for devs, and it's it's awesome to see a different take from them. And it's, again, this is a very reassuring article. I I I just hope it's not lip service, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That said, Josh Schmidt N64 Josh himself writes in: Will Sony's plan uh, uh, attack plan for the PlayStation Five be the same as the PlayStation Four? And do you think the moves from Xbox uh, uh, is making will cause them to rethink that plan? It's a great question. We're seeing Xbox make a whole lot of moves, all awesome moves, right? Oh, yeah. Do you think that this plan could work out for PlayStation is going to plan, pan out for them? Will the, it, it, And is this even the same playbook for the PS4, Jen? I think it's a hybrid. Okay. I, I, I do think it's still very at a very base level is of business as usual. Keep pumping out. These these exclusive games at, at a high level, as well as, you know, 
evolving and reaching out to these other third party developers and and making deals for exclusives. I think I think it's a little bit of both, but I do think the moves from Xbox is maybe, or at least if I was if I was you if I was uh-huh. Sony, yeah. um, to be like you know what, let's make sure we lock Housemark down and put a ring on it. Let's buy Housemark. You know what, Blue Point, stellar at what they do. Let's lock it down. Uh, I think making those smaller things is what I want out of like a, a, a studio purchase is again, that tie to PlayStation, that lineage, that history between them. Um, I do think seeing Xbox reach out and buy all these studios here and there. I do think PlayStation wants to add a couple more to mm-hmm. the PlayStation studios world. Um, I just don't think they're going to be gigantic purchases, like a full third party publishing arm, but I think they're going to make those those smart and will smart moves that will appease and be loved by the fan base like us. Yeah, I think when we talked to Greg last week about it and, and that conversation kind of echoes this one of like PlayStation needs to be a lot more agile this generation. And I think you don't just take a look at Xbox literally buying a publisher and not blink at it. Right. And I think mm-hmm. by making moves with like a partnership with Discord however small may be really does and echo, evo and ego evo really does echo uh, that sony's looking in other v- avenues to make profit off of whether it's evo with their tournaments and esports tying themselves to it whether it's discord with cross play and cross communications you know and, and community which is super important you know i think this is playstation taking a look at what microsoft has done saying how can we do it but of course on a smaller scale because we are at the end of the day a smaller company and i and i think you're totally right i think they're going to make some investments on other studios but i think their main focus and their main plan of attack is let's make these second party third party deals let's lock down some indies for ip but not necessarily have to buy the whole cow so that's what mm-hmm. i'm thinking here i'm i'm excited to see this 25 you know, games. But the other thing that we have to put into perspective and kind of roll back a little bit is these games ain't coming out for a while. Oh yeah. No, no, this is not like next year. We're going to get all 25. This is like a, at least a five year burn, you know? Yeah. We won't, we won't see like a slew of like brand new IP. I feel like maybe until 2023 at the earliest. Yeah. I think, I think that would be Yeah. And I think what you'll probably see from them if this if this is kind of alluding to it, is probably like a big game a quarter or a, a big marketed game a quarter, right? Like yeah, you'll get yeah. your Kina in August, maybe. And the good thing is that they stated here, they doubled down. Horizon is coming this year. So yes. like you get you get Horizon in the fall. That's what I'm kind of thinking here. There there was a really cool thing in that article about Horizon and the dual sense, by the way. Oh, I yeah? don't know if you read it. No, I did not. But as Aloy controlling in the game. If you dive into tall grass, you will feel the blades of grass. Each individual blades of grass as you dive into it. I like bet, to crouch to hide away. I bet every Xbox person who's listening <laughs> to this goes, guys, shut up about this haptic <laughs> feedback nonsense. Enough. Well, that's how we feel when you talk about Game Pass, all right? right? Jesus. <laughs> Get out of here with this X Cloud. <laughs> but honestly, that really excites me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It really excites me. That's that sounds really cool. So it's awesome. A whole lot of reassurance coming out of PlayStation. But Kyle, it's time to get to the next revolution. And that is VR. Oh, wait. Famous Seamus has a question from oh, Discord. 
Oh my God! I almost skipped the out on the most famous Sheamus, Sheamus of all time. Oh my yeah. God! Famous Sheamus writes in the most famous Sheamus I've ever met in my entire life. And how rude am I? How excited are you that Ember Labs is going to take and make another game that will use the full power of the PlayStation Five? I'll answer this simply: uh, I need to see their first game first. As much as I'm that's fair in for Kina, and I am so in. I get it. A cross-gen game between PS4 and PS5. I, that game looks gorgeous. I want to see what that game does before I say what their next game. If that makes sense. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. I I echo that that sentiment. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Question answer famous. I'm so sorry. I almost skipped you. But Kyle, <laughs> on to the next question, good sir. Or sorry, article. I'm out of it. Otto Kratzky over at GameSpot writes, PlayStation 5 VR headset may display at 4K and include haptics. It appears that Sony is set to develop more top-notch peripherals this generation. According to a report from Upload VR, Sony's upcoming iteration of the PSVR headset for PlayStation 5 will include a number of improvements and impressive features, including a 4K display and even haptic feedback via built-in motor. According to the report, the upcoming headset's 4K display will sl- be slightly different from than the standard 4K we're used to. Instead of displaying at 3840 by 20, 2160, the PSVR headset will output at 4000 by 2040 or 2000 by 2040 per eye. Other features that may be coming with the headset include a lens separation adjust- adjustment dial and gaze tracking, or more simply put, eye tracking. That last feature is a fairly big deal, as with proper implementation, it it could totally change how VR users interact with digital spaces. For instance, if a player wanted to throw something, they wouldn't have to turn their whole body or head and throw the object. Instead, all they would have to do is look at where they want to throw something and let loose. Of course, eye tracking also comes with the additional benefit of making digital worlds more immersive and lifelike. Haptic feedback is another standout here, mainly because it hasn't been implemented in a mainstream product before. With the upcoming PSVR headset, players could experience the wind on their face for it or a headshot in VR for the first time. <laughs> too extreme, Kyle. Too, I don't know if I want to experience that. I don't want to that. experience being shot in the head, Wind on the dude. face? Absolutely. Exactly. No thank you on the I'm headshot. not here to kink shame, but I am not into what simulating my own death nope. via JFK would not... No, no, not no ever. snuff films in VR for me. Mm, no, no grassy you. knoll for me. Thank you very much. Um, but the crazy thing here isn't so much the haptic feedback. I think the crazy thing here is the eye tracking. That this thing's going to have cameras inside the goggle, inside the headset, tracking yeah. your eye movements and making it so that like maybe even you playing Beat Saber is a little bit more accurate when you're swinging the nunchucks mm. around. That's that excites me a whole lot. This headset sounds super expensive, though. But I want to know. It's, yeah, yeah. At, like out of this leak out of uh, upload VR, which they usually puts out some really good stuff. Uh, what's the thing that impresses you the most here? I mean, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, it's definitely the eye tracking. But reading this, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm sure I'm not alone in this feeling. Tommy. My eyes already hurt. <laughs> it feels like having. The, the 4K output being what it is and mm-hmm. having a, a way to track my eye, I'm sure it won't, but mm-hmm. it just feels like my eye is going to be looking at a very bright white screen at all times. And 
if you spend an hour in VR, that's going to be cut down to like 30 minutes just because of eye strain or whatnot. Well, I think because it's going to be, you know, 4K because of the resolution, the eye strain and the, you know, uh, what's it called? The screen door effect where you see individual uh, pixels. I think that's going to be greatly reduced. So I think eye fatigue is going to be something that actually maybe helped with this headset. Um, yeah, again, don't know tech stuff. I, mean, yeah. I could be way off base there. Yeah. It just, just reading this and and being like, your usual output is whatever, but now it's four thousand, yeah, by twenty forty <laughs> or two thousand by twenty forty per eye. Oh yeah. my god, that's a lot of that's a lot of. Well, all that means I is guess. it's a whole lot of pixels, and so that means you're whole going to get a yeah, you're going to be getting a whole clearer image for you. Mm-hmm. And I think the 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 cool thing, and I think Upload VR had it this in as well, is that. Um, it'll also adjust the resolution around your eyes. So not it'll know where your eyes are looking at, and it'll actually adjust the resolution for it. So it actually helps the system handle the VR headset, which I think is really cool. So yeah, yeah I'm I'm really interested in this piece of tech, and I thought this was a fun little bit of news. I'm really interested how they're going to put haptic feedback on this headset. How is that really- possible? That headshot thing really freaks me out. Right? <laughs> oh my but god! They really want to immerse you, and I'm not telling, not saying. Well, that. What if it's like the 4D theater trick where they have like little pistons like poke you in the head? <laughs> oh yeah! And like a little whip that whips you around like they do in the 4D theaters. Little, little doodads hit you in the forehead. Yeah. There, there's like a little mister that pops out and missed you in the face. <laughs> you're in, you're in the fog. <laughs> <laughs> Alien spit acid blood at you. It's like, ah! Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, that would be a little bit too much. And I think we're borderline with what this tech is with like the haptics. Borderline that 4D theater experience. Yeah. So I'm the thing I am skeptical the most on is haptic feedback because we're already getting in the controllers. It's I think the tech I need to feel to believe to see how excited I could be with haptic feedback in the headset. But I mean it's like if it's anything like Returnal, where you feel little raindrops, that'd be oh, freaking dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if it's oh environmental God, just... stuff, great. But if you're like simulating a chainsaw to my face, get me the An hell ice out of there. Pick? No, thank you. No, a, a full lumbotomy. You. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> can you imagine experience. just somebody makes a PlayStation? It's just a head massage and the haptics. Like I could be down for that. <laughs> yes. Oh my uh, God, a 4D real... uh, skull massager. Yes. Yes. It Real is. talk, though. When are uh-huh. we seeing this thing? When are we seeing <laughs> what the headset looks like? And when are we getting it? I, I'm going to be ballsy, man. I think we're seeing it sooner than we think. You thinking at the June presentation? I'll be, there, whatever I'll, it is? I'll be. I'll be crazy enough to say it. They're talking so much about it, Kyle. They really are. <laughs> They're talking too much about it. Mm-hmm. So and we're getting a lot more information than we think. I think we're going to get at least a glimpse, a little tease, you know? That's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Are we seeing something this year? Like, is this a Switch situation where we see it by the end of the year and it's out in the spring? Oh, my God. I hope not. I hope not either. For money money issues. For money reasons and getting back to the, you know, to the component issue that they have with the PS5. Yeah. I, I think we'll see it at earliest... February next year. Deal. Yeah. 
I'd be shocked if it's at June, in June. I would be as well. And, and, and that's the thing, I think, with this generation, and I'm very interested to see. And I'll and this one is one of those points I'll be repeating till the console comes out, is how they balance development between VR and PS5. With yeah. Xbox being so aggressive, how are they going to split up development between PlayStation you know, proper and PlayStation VR? That's the yeah. thing that I think is a true balancing act, my friend. Yeah, because you need you need to be able to support it enough to make the purchase of a headset worthwhile yeah. and attractive for players to want to get, but also not alienate the people that are not once going to touch a VR headset and are fine with just the regular gaming that they do already. Yeah, they need to find that 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 fine line, which is hard to do. Because look at the Vita. You know what I mean? Exactly, and dude, what a great point. Because like. Vita had some great support in the beginning and then just yep. suddenly died. And that's what I am afraid with this headset. Like, I want to be an adopter of this. Um, I, I want to play Half-Life Alex on it. I'm still, I I know, I, I have a feeling in my bones that it will be on PlayStation, mm-hmm. okay? Because uh, I, I think Valve wants more than ever VR to succeed. So I, I don't think they care where they put that game. If you can play it on Oculus yeah. and you can play it on on whatever uh, the Steam thing is, uh, yeah, I think you could be able to play here. So I have faith in that. I think it, it's going to be a lot with like the second party deals as well with this mm-hmm. headset. Um, I do think we're entering from PS1 to PS2 uh, with this headset. So hopefully he sees the same success. I also just realized that this is very close to the future of Ready Player One. How's that? Where like... Oh. The haptics in the headset. We're we're gonna get a haptics vest that will also <laughs> simulate it. Oh, it'll simulate getting shot in the chest. Say like, what? No, stop! It's not what stop. I want. I don't want it. <laughs> we'll simulate <laughs> you getting chainsawed. Stop! Now, it's, if there's Resident Evil Village support for a certain castle no, section with no. all that, uh-uh. I don't know. Oh don't wait, know. like tall lady stepping on my chest? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. what I'm talking about. Okay. All right. All right, let's get out of Pervville. Michael right. McWhorter <laughs> over at GameSpot writes, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart is Insomniac's Into the Ratchetverse. Insomniac showed off Rivet in action during a hands-off preview held over Zoom, demonstrating how the new Lombax moves through worlds. She can swing through environments like the Spider-Man of Insomniac superhero games and wall runs like the survivors of Sunset Overdrive's fun post-apocalypse. She's comfortable with a wide array of weird guns, just like Ratchet. Here's some of what we saw gunwise: The Negatron Collider, a beam that charges up and sweeps energy across the battlefield. The Enforcer, a double-barreled shotgun that lets player, players choose one or two shots, depending on how they pull the trigger of the DualSense controller. The Ricochet, a weapon that fires a bouncing round that can wall up enemies with multiple hits. The light Lightning Rod, a gun that shoots out chain light, lightning for shocking multiple foes. Mr. Fungi, a mushroom-like turret creature that cracks wise. The Topiary Sprinkler, a Rift Apart's version of a freeze ray, except it turns enemies into manicured shrubbery. Most of those guns, and Rivet and Ratchet's basic weapons, the bur- uh, basic weapon, the burst pistol, utilize the dual senses' adaptive triggers in cool ways, often for alternate fire options. Players can pull the right trigger button halfway to fire one shell from the Enforcer, for example, or pull it all the way to unload both shots. Insomniac has improved Ratchet and Glank's 
Clank's gunplay in Rift Apart, said Adam Newchester, lead gameplay programmer at Insomniac Games, with new visual tricks. Enemies will shed, quote, more chunks as you fire at them, indicating damage. Newchester said, and players will see their available ammo displayed on gun reticles. And with the game's increased level of detail, more characters, effects, and the aforementioned chunks on screen, Insomniac has added new depth of field visual tricks to make enemies pop out amid the visual chaos. Combat even employs Rift Apart's new dimensional cracks. Players will see Rift Poil portals in combat encounters that may offer a tactical advantage teleporting them out of harm's way or behind a boss character who's off in the distance those rift portals will come into play between battles as well as players explore the many interdimensional planets of rift apart pocket dimensions are scattered throughout the worlds and players can jump into them to take part in mini games and side missions Players will find out for themselves when Insomniac's new Ratchet & Clank adventure comes to PlayStation 5 on June 11th. So, I need to let this be known for the audio viewers, because most people tune into this podcast via Apple Podcasts, which please rate us five stars. That'd be cool. Um, or like on Spotify or whatever. I cracked up because we're doing something different on the video version, which is like we're showing you the gameplay from Game Informer. And, uh, you know, I'm new at Streamlabs, Kyle. I'll be the first yeah. to admit I make uh -huh. mistakes. And I put, you know, put the, you know, Ratchet and Clank stuff in, right? The, the video yeah. from Game Informer. Yeah. Uh, and I just made it, put it to the link to that Game Informer uh, YouTube video. What What was the first ad we see? Is a, it, it, First off, it shows us an ad. What is that ad? It's Billy Porter, who is the most amazing human being. Uh, in a Tide commercial, <laughs> so for like 15 <laughs> seconds, we saw Billy Porter in a in a Tide commercial before we saw this ratchet gameplay. And Kyle, <laughs> I was I oh, had I a judgment it. call. I was like, I either I either say, you know what, we'll give Tide a shout out. Let's get, uh, give us our residuals, Tide. Yeah, please. or I just I pull back on this idea and make it a little flub. I totally went in. We, that Billy Hell Porter yes. ad broke me. And I found it <laughs> hilarious. That said, Kyle, hearing mm -hmm. all this, we saw the preview, um, you know, via IGN, uh, Game Informer, all that. Anything you see here, anything that you read here, um, kind of get you excited? And do you think this is a little bit, like, too soon or too close to the state of play that we got two weeks ago? That's, that was honestly my first thought is why was this not part of that state of play since it was so close? Granted, I'm sure they wanted to do behind closed doors with it, but like right. they could have gone into more of these weapons during that state of play or like showing off like the depth of field thing, which I think is super, super cool and how they're implementing it. Yeah, because like it is it does focus on the enemies and lets them stand out from the background because there is so much going on. Mm -hmm. it, it would be easy for the for the enemies to get lost, like in the shuffle of that. I do find it weird how it's it is just so close to what the state of play was. Yeah. Um. But besides that, thank you for what I thought Mr. Fun Guy was in the state of play <laughs> is basically Mr. Zircon. And this God one. bless. I'm so happy. That's the only thing I wanted, really. Yeah. I wanted a confirmation that A, Mrs. Zircon was coming back, or that Mr. Fun Guy would also crack wise while you're fighting <laughs> alongside him. And I could not be happier with yeah. that one. There's also, uh, I think, go for it. Sorry. 
the something that's really cool that the the article didn't point out about the ricochet. Mm-hmm. I believe in the IGN video I was watching of the coverage. There's also an added mechanic to that where you can catch that ricochet and time it correctly, and mm-hmm. then output it again for an extra damage boost. Really? So there is there is a little bit kind of of a different mechanic with that weapon in particular, mm-hmm. where you do have to time it when it comes back, so you can hit it back again at extra damage, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, that's really awesome. I I'm just stunned of how beautiful this game looks. Oh my god, yes. Um, like a lot of people, you know, beat the drum of like Pixar like, and I really there, yeah. It, just seeing like the show pieces here, man, mm-hmm. are out of this world. There's a lot of story stuff that they covered. I don't want to cover it on the podcast because I don't want to run into possible spoilers. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like what I'm seeing here is beautiful. Just the set piece with the giant robot and uh, and yes. Rivet was awesome enough. And seeing it as well with Ratchet, it was it it was awesome to see them both both those characters get seemingly equal amount of screen time and just the world seems out of this world beautiful but my question is yeah. like why why not wait like returnal just came out what like a week ago you know like let that game yeah. breathe a little bit and at the same exact time we walked away from that state of play completely sold <laughs> you didn't need to sell yeah. us anymore and i know it sounds like a strange complaint of like why'd you show me all this cool stuff but honestly mm-hmm. it it was as cool as it was, I was like, maybe you could have pushed this back to like two weeks before the the game's out, you know? Well, well, that's the thing. Like, we're less than a month away already. That is true. So, we're, so we're we are very close to it. That is true. We are officially thirty days away from yeah. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which is just nuts. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly, just it looks like just a visual visual showpiece yeah. of what this console is. And on that visual showpiece front, there is a screenshot I saw on Twitter from mm-hmm. this preview. Mm-hmm. And I was just staring at it for a solid three to four minutes and just in <laughs> awe. Because it looks gorgeous and it also this might sound real dumb. Okay? Go for it. It used every single color imaginable mm-hmm. in this one frame. And everywhere you look, there's a different color and it looks gorgeous. It just, it's just so drop dead gorgeous, mm. of of how the color works and the light bouncing off of it. Like, I can't wait to see what this looks like on my TV. Absolutely. At this point, I am on media blackout. Yeah. I doubt we'll get anything else. I doubt we will after this. But I want to know nothing else of this game. I just want to experience it when I go to the store and pick up my copy. Yeah. And just do nothing but play that game until we record yeah. the next episode of the show. Yeah. No, I'm totally there after. And, and this is a promise from me to you. No more ratchet talk, unless it's about this little goal that we're trying to hit over on Apple podcasts worldwide. Kyle, how nuts is this worldwide? Let's take a step back. We have 168 ratings on Apple Podcasts or AKA iTunes. Now, as you know, we fought Tim Apple a few weeks ago. Apple feeds really messed up with their rollout of, of the new Apple Podcasts. Finally, all the things are fixed, thank goodness. And what we'd like to ask from you is please consider dropping us a five-star review. Leave your Twitter handle as well on the review. We have four weeks 
until Ratchet comes out. Four weeks. And what mm -hmm. we're going to do is we're going to have, if we hit 200 ratings worldwide, we are going to pick out of all those 200. So whether you already rated us, congratulations, you've already done the work. Uh, or if you haven't, make sure you rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Tell us why. Give us your Twitter handle. And then on the show, the week of, we'll announce it on Twitter and on the show, the winner of our Ratchet and Clank giveaway. We will give out a copy of Ratchet and Clank for the PlayStation 5 if we hit 200 ratings on iTunes. That said, if you are a patron of the show, no matter if you are a dollar, ten dollar, hundred dollar hair, you are also in the running as well. And if you rate us there, you get a double entry. So that's something Ooh. a little cool because this is a goal that I really, really want to hit. And honest to goodness, Kyle, I really think we can hit it. I yeah, think this I, is... I believe in all of you out there to get us to two hundred. And by by doing that, it will help us out tremendously. Absolutely. If you if you think our growth this year has been incredible to see Which and it has. you love to see it yeah. it's i love it love it absolutely yeah. love it but if you want to you want to see us go on on all these other shows and bring in super cool people and and, and become bigger than ever and mm -hmm. rating us five stars will do just that That's it's going to help us out so damn much so please yeah Couple of se 30 second stops out of your day. Yep. Just rate us five stars, yep. little review with your Twitter handle. And you don't even need an iTunes account. A lot of people don't yeah. think you need an iTunes account. No, you just log in. You don't need anything more than just like your, your email and that's it. Uh, and, and bam. So please, it really does help us out. We got a few that I want to read at the end of the show, but Sweet. that's enough of a segue because Famous Seamus does write in. Famous Seamus writes, and once again, two questions. All right, so I made up from the last one. We got a bunch of new previews from Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart from publications like IGN and GameSpot. What are you looking forward to the most in Rift Apart? Think about it here. What is the thing that you are looking forward to the most in Rift Apart? For me, Kyle, I want to... I, I, the, the thing that I was doing in Returnal was I was pushing that thing to its limits, which we'll talk a little bit about at the second half of the show, but like, I want to push this thing to its limits. I want to see... and and really see where the loading screens are because that's the one the one really cool thing is seeing all the cinematic goodness and you go and okay so where's the loading screen in this whole thing this whole setup was it during the cutscene it right before it where is it that's that's the thing i'm looking forward to the most for me i'm really looking forward to the humor yeah i love the ratchet and clank humor and I'm really excited of seeing, like I mentioned before, Mr. Fun Guy seems to be like going to be my primary weapon of choice, just like Mr. Zircon was in the older games. Yeah. I'm just excited for that insomniac charm to really shine through. In addition to, I, I just want to bask in Jennifer Hale's performance as Rivet. Yeah. Every single thing we see from Rivet in this game has been so good, and her performance has been incredible. I just want to, I want to see the whole thing now. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, Ratchet and Clank. It it looks more and more like this is a this is gonna be a game of the year contender for me. Oh man! Every Ooh. time I see it, it's like oh, like you don't think of it because you're like ah, oh, it's Pixar or whatever. But every time I and see it's a more platformer, of it, platformers yeah. usually aren't in that. They don't that get the love, but this echelon. one, this one, I don't know why it's hitting me different. 
color, yeah. color me a fanboy. I don't care, but I'm ready to get upset. We've had a lot of good feels, a lot of great, interesting conversations, Kyle, but I want to get upset and I want to point a finger at something or someone. So let's get to the next topic. Too many good feelings, Kyle. Time to get angry. <laughs> Tom Dude. Phillips over at Eurogamer. Ubisoft won't abandon paid AAA games while making free-to-play versions of core franchises. Ubisoft has said it will release big-budget free-to-play versions of some of its major franchises, as well as continue its traditional full-price AAA releases of things like Assassin's Creed and Far Cry. Speaking with investors, Ubisoft financial boss Frederick Duguet said the company's focus on releasing three to four big-budget games per year was no longer, quote, a proper indication of our value creation dynamics, end quote. Or, in normal speak, Ubisoft wanted its profits to grow by making even more money from other things. On Twitter, Ubisoft's Sean Lama clarified this did not mean free-to-play games would, would replace AAA games. Instead, it meant Ubisoft now saw free-to-play as, quote, an additional way to experience some of these IPs, end quote, with Call of Duty as a good example of mm. the model. And in an update at 3.30 p.m. over in UK time, Ubisoft has further clarified its commitment to big-budget games in a new statement shared with Eurogamer. In it, the publisher says it is not reducing its typical AAA output. Quote, Our intention is to deliver a diverse lineup of games that players will love across all platforms, a Ubisoft spokesperson said. We are excited to be investing more in free-to-play experiences. However, we want to clarify that this does not mean reducing our AAA offering. Our aim is to continue to deliver premium experiences to players such as Far Cry 6, Rainbow Six Quarantine, Riders Republic, and Skull and Bones, to name a few, while also expanding our free-to-play portfolio and strengthening our brands to reach even more players, end quote. I really like that they came out to clarify this, because, you know, a few days ago... Even shareholders were did not like this plan. It really did seem like they were just going to phase out the AAA output that we love, the Assassin's Creed, their Far Cries, in replace of a Fortnite model for all their games, these free-to-play games. Mm-hmm. On the outset, you take a look at it, and you're like, I sadly can understand it because you know things like you know Rainbow Six Siege have done so freaking well. But on the second hand, it's like, we still want those single player experiences. So how do you yeah. feel that now that they clarified their statement? Do you, are you breathing a little easier here, Kyle? The clarification helps a lot. Yeah. Because, I mean, I say I love Far Cry, even though I, I don't like five, but three and four are absolutely fantastic. Some of my favorite games. Yeah. I like uh, Assassin's Creed a whole lot. Still need to finish Rahala. It's just a huge game. Um and I, 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 but the the one that really stuck out to me is the one like, man, this is gonna suck. Is Immortals? Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, really love Immortals like a lot, and I would love for them to continue with that as a big budget kind of game, with all 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 the the fancy stuff in it, and not go a free to play model where, oh yeah, let's. You can buy an outfit for this god yeah. or goddess, you know, like, I don't want that. I want I want the story. I want to experience it all in the thing. If you want that free to play experience, it's great. Yeah. I, 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 I hope they they do the free to play stuff for like a Just Dance or a or kind of like the the side stories, right? Like that division Heartland thing. Yes. 
Like I could see that being a free to play version of the division. Like I'm okay with that kind of stuff or writers Republic. Like I'm okay with that because there's not really like a story story there. You're just playing it for like that experience. Just give me like that big budget, triple a open world sandbox kind of game that Ubisoft does so well, like Mm -hmm. a watchdogs too. like go back to like central protagonist watchdogs. Cause I didn't dig Legion for that reason. Um, I do want to point out, though, before you hop in on this, Joe, I love how they're like, yeah, premium experience is such a skull and bones, which they delayed one more time. <laughs> yep. That game's never coming out. Yeah. Like, why, why even mention it at this point? Yeah, I a lot of good points there. And and yeah, like thinking of like we saw what is it? Uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2, right? Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Like they're like, it's coming. Uh we were yet again running into the Ubisoft that has promised a whole lot and we're not seeing them deliver. And I think there was like a, a talk where like a lot of companies have actually done pretty well in the pandemic in terms of like how the company or like is, is, is structured and they're like EA is doing pretty darn well, but Ubisoft is struggling with getting with, with, with how they're working under the, the lockdown situation. So yeah, it's 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 frustrating to see more and more of their games get delayed, and it is frustrating to hear things like this. But when they say Call of Duty as a good example, I really think what you're saying here, which is like, yeah, you have a division experience, and then you have this free to play division, right? It like just like with Call of Duty, with you have your Warzone, which is your you know free to play game, and then you have the base game, and both of those supplement each other and promote each other and they have this kind of relationship with each other that's what i'm thinking is going to be the case here um Mm -hmm. so yeah i I, i'm not worried as much anymore because i really do think they got enough pushback where they're just like yeah this is okay we we need to we need to take a step on back you know yeah 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 for sure with that said the one thing i want to say as well i almost forgot saying this the cool thing that they announced is uh, they're going to, ha- when they have an Ubisoft game, it's going to be called an Ubisoft original. So we're seeing more nice. of this like premium branding with like, mm-hmm. we saw it with like Xbox studios, uh, PlayStation studios and Ubisoft originals. I wonder if we're going to see more of that as well in the AAA space. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, but that I was like pretty it. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I like the pop and circumstance of it. Right. It makes, makes it, it like a little vet. Yeah. I like it. I don't know. The yeah. marketing side of me loves it. But Kyle, listen, the news yeah. segments, it's all done. It's all over, baby. It's a, it's a gravy train right here. On to the Sony Pony Express. Yeehaw! Yes, here. Yes, here. Listen here, Paul. We got a system of tubes that you can send your questions in to the show. You can send your questions in through the Twitter tube where you get at us at PS Trophy Room on Twitter, or when we have a post every Wednesday asking for questions, you can send your tweets right on over there. We have a Discord tube. It's a beautiful functioning tube where you're part of the community conversing with people on Discord. You could ask us questions there. Dano on Twitter writes in, if a it's new a person- tube. A beautiful, the beautiful most beautiful tube. tube you've ever seen, folks. Dano on Twitter <laughs> writes in, if a new person coming into the PlayStation ecosystem was given a choice for them to buy an all-digital PS5 in their cart or wait a year for the disc, maybe even redesign, would you tell them to do it or wait? I I think as the physical media person here, 
you buy the digital one if it's in your cart. Yes. Uh, I, we got I, him, I, folks. I think, no, you don't got me. I'm still physical for the until I'm forced to, to switch. Okay. But if you are waiting and you don't have a PS5 yet, just get it so you can experience these games. Right. Uh, the games are not going to run any better on the disc version. Like, the only thing I would say is if you are a physical media person and you do own a lot of Blu-rays like I do, mm-hmm. especially like 4K ones, you do now have a 4K bl- player that you can play those discs if you get the disc version. But as far as games go, just get the system, no matter which one it is at this point, and just play these awesome games like Returnal and Miles and soon-to-be Ratchet. Like, Let the, the past die, dude. Kill it if you have to. Honestly, goodness, I I I have turned away from physical media for the most part. I still like my good steel book. I got that Mass Effect steel book over there. It's beautiful. But I'm gonna say, I love my digital PS5. I, I've I've wet to it. I've not turned back unless you have a huge, and I'm talking huge, like all those DVDs behind Kyle that will one day avalanche and, and take the whole house down. No, they're they're screwed into the wall. They're, no, they're, they're part of the foundation. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I. Unless you have a huge collection that you can't turn away from, I would say go digital. Just do it. Sure. Just pull the plug on old. What's more important, getting a PS5 or waiting a year? That like, too. If can you're you patient, really wait without a PS5? If you're really patient, yeah, wait. He's like, sure. sure. Ratchet looks really great. You know. Horizon looks really great. You can play Horizon on PS4, so sure. Maybe you gotta wait a little bit. Who knows? But if you if you have a PS5 in your cart, no matter which edition it is, I think you buy it if you're waiting. If you want one, and if you don't want it, then you just you sell it. You just yeah. Listen, I hey, I got know in the Discord. Loans. There's plenty of people that want to <laughs> <laughs> that want a PS5. Yeah, let them know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next question. Awesome. Dave writes in via Discord. He asks, what are your takes on the recent sentiment that games need to prove that they are worth $70? From what I've heard, Resident Evil is around 10 to 12 hours and costs 60 and Returnal 70. And I'm hearing people talk about how they spent dozens of hours in the game already. Yet Returnal isn't worth the retail value. Do you think that games need to quote unquote prove its worth or value or are consumers just looking for something new to complain about? hit the nail on the head on that last one i i i do think it's just something to complain about i don't subscribe to the whole is it worth the money because yeah. yeah resident evil village is on the short end but it's also a cross-gen title yeah so that's why it's at 60 and not 70 uh and returnals at 70 it is next gen and you could play that game for a very long time yeah uh, i think i'm at like 48 50 hours in that game and it's well worth the 70 bucks and RE Villages also, I say, if it was 70 I do think it's still worth the $70, even mm-hmm. though it is on the shorter side, just because of how, I mean, we'll get into it, just how gorgeous that game looks. Yeah. So I, I'm i not a, I'm not a big fan of the, is it worth the $60? Like every $10 is worth 10 hours of gameplay or whatever. I don't yeah. like, I don't like that kind of discussion. I actually, and, and I'm going to plug it here if you don't mind. But like on yeah. co-ops, uh, on cash co-op, we talked about it. Ains, I, and, and ugh, Luke Lawyer. We talked about like, what's the value of games now? Like, what's the true value here? Because there is a, a talk, like Game Pass has definitely changed. What, do, what, how do you value a game? 
You know, they, they've taken that value end and kind of threw out the window going, how do you like this game, right? Um, and though Game Pass is great, I don't also think it's the end all be all. Just because that option's there and the option is awesome and it builds value doesn't necessarily take away the value to a full price title. Same with Fortnite. Look, Fortnite's changed things for sure. You have free-to-play versions of a Call of Duty like Warzone, but they're not the end-all be-all. You still have people playing your traditional Call of Duty multiplayer or your Destinies. Just making a free-to-play option to something doesn't necessarily negate the full-price retail version of a game. So, yeah, no, I do think it is something that people want to complain about. Um, I'm on that point at, at, this, at this point because... I loved my time with Returnal, but we'll talk about it in a sec. Um, though it took my platinum away from me. I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> oh, I'm very angry. But, you know, I spent dozens of hours in that game, and I do not regret paying 70 bucks. And at the same exact time, all the people are like, I don't know, Joe, $70 plus tax. It's like, I get that point. Oh, yeah. And especially, yeah. We're, very, we're very comfortable here in the States. In other places, a lot higher. I definitely understand you. But when you take a look at Returnal sales... Like in just the one day sale that they have, you know, calculated on the PS5 side, game sold well. So like, yeah. I'm, I'm frustrated at the notion that just because a game is full price means it's the worst thing ever because we're seeing that in real time, that narrative doesn't stick. And if you believe that $70 is too much, then probably Game Pass is for you. Sure. And if it's and not, I, then you could buy your game. Like I'm not here yeah. to sit you down and tell you how the how to play or, or how to buy your, your, your game, you sure. know? And I'm sick of people yeah. trying to tell me that on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm not. I, yeah. We're not going to sit here and tell you how to spend your money mm -mm. whatsoever. Even though just Joe does it to me all the time when I want to buy another system or console. Kyle, <laughs> I'm looking out for you. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> but e either way, um, I do think, a, I, I think a lot of people in, in just gaming in general, just people who play games, um, they need to really realize like games have been $60 for far too long and the cost to make games have gone up. So yeah. like, it's just natural for games to be more expensive. Right. I'm not saying 70 is like, Oh, I can just throw $70 at whatever. No part. That's part of the reason why I'm uh, still a physical media person. Cause yeah. that trade in thing is a way for me to be able to afford the next game. Uh, but like, we have to accept and realize like that was a long thing coming. Yeah. If we want to be able to continue to see games be made the way they are currently. And I mean, just take a look at EA, right? EA just said that, Hey, they're premium games. The games that are 60 bucks only account for 25% of its revenue. They make all their money off of their microtransactions, all of it. So like if I'm looking at an experience from a Sony product and say, Hey, if I don't have to pay for microtransactions in a, a Ratchet and Clank, all right, I'm in. If I don't, if there's no microtransactions in Returnal, I'm in. Like, I don't mind paying that extra 10 bucks if it means that there's no microtransaction garbage in, in it. So for me, that's that's where I kind of put my stake in the ground. But yeah, I got to watch my blood pressure when talking about this stuff. I just go, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, please. Hector on Twitter writes, so what's the verdict on the DualSense controller? Is it a next-gen gimmick or genuinely elevates the gaming experience? Or is it too early to tell? Honestly, I, I love the DualSense. We, we're ride or die here. 
on it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's my favorite controller, uh, base controller oh, yeah. of all time mm-hmm. right now. I, I'm really I'm with it. you on that one. And Hector, I yeah, I DualSense is fantastic. It is, in my opinion, the best controller I've ever played with. Um, but I will say, and I said this, I think in the Returnal Road to Greatness episode, mm-hmm. which will be out soon. This Friday, a matter of fact. This wow. Friday, whoop, whoop, uh, a lot of the haptic feedback at times just feels like a intense rumble. Mm-hmm. Like it's really hard sometimes, like especially in Returnal, it's really hard to differentiate between what is a really cool haptic feedback and just everything all at once buzzing in your hands. Yeah, but like with the adaptive triggers, that is pretty cool too, especially when you're trying the the different uh, tensile strength of the buttons, depending yep. on like what weapons you're using, like ratchet talking about that, like that, that is a super cool thing that might feel like it's too much for your mind to comprehend. But in the moment while you're playing, it, it becomes so natural and it feels really, really cool. Uh, it just feels like you have extra buttons on this already standard controller that we're so used to. Yeah. Um, dual sense is easily fantastic. Damn but, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, one last question. Jadis Von, uh, sorry. Yeah. Jadis Von Metal writes in. Um, I'm sorry. Who? Jadis Von Metal writes in. I haven't heard anyone say it, uh, say if the official 3D audio headsets have better, uh, surround audio than other headsets. Is it better in Returnal? Thanks, bros. I can answer you. Um, their headsets sound really good. Um, and the 3D audio is impressive, but you can get that on other headsets as well. So I, you know, I believe the 3D audio is actually, if I'm not mistaken, uh, maybe full shit. It's universal, so you can put in your headsets, and you're going to have that 3D audio hit, hit there. Um, same like it will eventually get patched in. Unfortunately, it wasn't day one. You're supposed to get that same 3D sound on your TV as well. So, um, they already sound good, but I do prefer my Steel Series headsets over there. Uh, and also, we, I got them those Steel Series, so take that uh, or. Code provided by uh, Steel Series, so take that with a grain of salt. But hashtag ad. Hashtag bought out. Uh, to talk about bought out. <laughs> here's the here's the, our next segment, our last segment of the show. What you've been playing? Hide indoors writes in via the Discord and says, "Kyle, I know you are new to Resident Evil. Not sure about Joe. And now that you have played a couple of the games, is there anything that has surprised you with your time with it? Could it be a pleasant surprise or perhaps something?" That you aren't too fond of. So let's talk about Resident Evil. But more so, let's use this question to talk about Resident Evil Village. Because you have been inundated with Resident Evil. (laughs) In in the span of a few months, you've played Resident Evil 4, 7, 2 Remake, now Resident Evil 8. You are the newcomer, but again, you've played a lot of them in a short span. Still working my way through 2. So we're but I'm not right. having a panic attack. I'm okay. To. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Uh, but let me. Yeah. Let, so code, of course, provided by Capcom on this one on my end. Um. But what you've beaten, Resi Evil Village? I I'm. Have. Uh, I'm a few hours in. I would not say I'm halfway, but I'm getting there. I'm about three, four hours in. So Kyle, how has your experience been with Resident Evil Eight so far? So my. My to answer Catherine's question to start it off, um, the one thing I wasn't prepared for was just how goofy the stories are. 
if mm. I'm not like totally like if I'm totally honest, like a lot the games are very goofy and actiony, way less scary. Mm. I feel like instead except for two, okay. two by far is the most creepy and scary feeling game while you're playing. But between four, seven, and village, I was not creeped out or scared for a lot of it. There were a few moments here and there. There is one thing that everyone talks about in village that is creepy, and I 100% concur. And we'll get into that when eventually, if we do a road to greatness, or oh, we, we can will talk about some things. Yeah. But there's a thing that they do in that section that I really, really love and that helps uh, add to the ambiance of it. But yeah, Resident Evil is just an action, action heavy. At least in the ones I played, action heavy, beautiful visually and auditory experience. Yeah, um, I had a great time with Village. It's not the most perfect game when it comes to the story. Again, something that I'm learning about Resident Evil. <laughs> um, Ethan is, is not the best and most fun character mm-hmm. to play as. A lot of a lot of the performance is like really, really laugh at loud, like him hitting the the door jam. I, this uh, I believe was in the devil, but like, why does everyone always die around me? Why does this always happen to me? And just like Ethan, calm down, dude. Why is this a surprise? <laughs> you went through hell in seven. What are you talking about? Um, right. But at, Village does a lot of things extremely well, and mm. I'm happy to see that because, and I'm pretty sure this is why. Because they don't have a VR, like you can't play this game in VR, the textures and everything in the world is so crisp. They look beautiful. The atmosphere is gorgeous and tense at times walking through that village. Um, The castle setting is gorgeous uh, just from the architecture of it and whatnot. Like it feels like a a castle that you can go visit in real life. Yeah. some of the voice acting in Village is, is really great. I do dig the performances of Lady D and the uh her, We're not going to talk about how they're in Europe, but they all have American accents? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not the performance fault, though. Sure. That is this is the, very strange to the, me. The director's yeah. fault for not pointing that out. Because um, honestly, that's like, uh, I'm sorry to derail you, but just for a sec, like no, that no. was one thing that kept on, like a little thing that kept on getting me out of the experience is like, Dude, we're supposed to be in like what I seem to be like Transylvania. Why sure. is everybody here from the Midwest? <laughs> yeah. Uh it it's in Italy. Oh, it's in Italy. Because they say in the opening segments that's where Ethan and Mia have moved to. Okay, bibbidi bobbidi bibbidi boopity. Why isn't why are they talking Italian? Why are they all from again, Idaho, it seems like. But yeah, but I I can't get over just how gorgeous this game is. That's the biggest takeaway. Uh, never once did I feel worried about running out of ammo. Okay. Uh, I beat the game in under nine minutes. Uh, nine minutes. Nine hours. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> under nine hours. Okay. Um, I will not be platinuming this game. Too, it's too crazy. You have to play it on the hardest difficulty. You have to do a knife-only run. You have to beat it in under three no. hours. No thanks. Mm. I'm good. Yeah. Um, but there, there are a lot of really cool environments. I think that's the biggest takeaway from this. Um, yeah, it's well worth the time if yeah. you're an RE fan or just want to see what the PS5 can do from a third party perspective. I think it's really fantastic. Yeah, I really am enjoying my time with Resident Evil Village. 
Um, which is like, you know, after coming off of Returnal, that was a really tense game and surprisingly had some horror elements in there as well. So I didn't know how I would jump into Resident Evil Village. And I think, honest to goodness, the first few hours that I've played, it's a different type of horror. It's a different type of horror that they're playing around with. When people say it's kind of like a marriage between Resident Evil 4 and 7, I definitely oh, yeah. see that. It's way more action-focused than 7 was. It's it's very much leaning on that, uh, that, that kind of action that 4 had. And I'm right there with you. I think environmentally... This game is just a showcase of next gen. Just forget just PlayStation. Just next yeah. gen in general. This game looks mind-blowingly good. Um, and the one thing that we talked about on the Road to Greatness episode of Resident Evil 4, which patrons it's up live right now, um, is how good Capcom is at environmental sounds. That's the thing oh, yeah. that was killer in, in 2005 with Resident Evil 4 that creeped us out. Um, and then going all the way back or, or, or all the way forward to Resident Evil Village, like early on in the game, you're in a cornfield and you hear them. You hear them and you're using the, the 3D audio of the Tempest sound. You can pinpoint directly where they are yeah. just using sound alone. And, and it, everyone's favorite tall lady and as well in the castle. Uh, you can hear her walking around in the distance and you'll, you know when to turn around and like go the opposite direction and, and tell when she's getting close to whatnot. Very much like Mr. X and two, yeah. but even amplified, like it is very pinpoint, like, okay, she's on my left. Mm -hmm. Like I need to go right as fast as possible. Uh, so yeah, the, the audio RE engine, I, I thought was a joke when everyone was talking about it, like how impressive it is, but I'm clearly seeing just how impressive this engine is. Yeah. Uh, if third person and first person, this thing is just, it's something else, Kyle. It yeah. really is. It's so just drop dead gorgeous. And for me, like the, the story wise uh, portion, I feel like how this game differs from Resident Evil 7 is this feels like a horror roller coaster. You're on this mm -hmm. roller coaster ride of just terror. And that's the different thing where the scares aren't too intense, but they're there and they're consistent on on this little journey of this little twisted village. Um, I'm I am thoroughly enjoying myself. I I already had high hopes for this game. It's even gone higher. This is definitely you know so far so good. This is definitely going to be a game we talk about at the end of the year. For sure. I'm very excited to talk about the ending of this game with you and mm. with anybody that's finished it. Please, I want I want to talk about how this game ends. Uh, the greatness, baby. The, the one bummer I will say, without going into full spoilers, with the amount of promotion mm. and marketing behind Lady D, mm. not as big of a part of the game as I was hoping for. Yeah, yeah. The, the She's castle definitely section a henchman, is it feels like. very short. Yeah. Hmm. And that's the only time you'll see her is in the castle. That's a bummer. It's it's it it was a, a big bummer. Uh not not to go against like some of the other characters, but I was I was bummed out I wasn't chased by tall, hot vampire <laughs> lady. I will say I will say the one bummer for me with this game is the voice acting isn't that stellar 
Um, there's a couple of villains where I'm just like, what the, uh, uh-uh, not, this ain't it. Um, again, the villagers have American accents. I, that's just a sure. tiny knock, but I gotta do it. Ethan Winters has gotten a, a lot of shit, but honestly, I, I feel like, yeah, the VO was kind of hit or miss, but you do get a sense that he's a good person and you really do oh, want to root for him. The- characters yeah but i mean the performance just isn't Mm -hmm. it's not consistent it's either he's the dumbest person alive or he's got this heart of gold that you want to root for him but i feel like there's something happened in that vo booth and uh i don't think it's it's to the to the performer's detriment uh or or it is to the performer's detriment but i don't think it's their fault because i think i think given what they had they did good it's just not a consistent job of of getting that 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 feeling or or hitting for, the right note yeah. at the right time, but other than that, for like, the love of God, yeah, somebody protect Ethan's hands without <laughs> going into full spoilers, please. Somebody for the love of God protect his hands. Yeah, but that is that is something that somebody pointed out. I don't know okay. if it was an article I read or a video I watched or just poor guy's gonna get carpal tunnel it. if he doesn't have it already. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the reason why. You know, going back from seven in village, the reason why his hands are always under attack is because that's the only way you feel in danger in first yes. person. Yeah, like you need to see the damage, and the only thing you can see is Ethan are his hands and his his limbs. So that's why they're always the subject of like some sort of pain and agony. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, wow, it's okay, old- I never thought about that. That kind of makes sense yeah. now. And so that's why, like, the, your parry is just like your hands like blocking your face, yeah. and just like, oh no, man, I don't know, get like a pole or a shield or something because that's not working for you yeah shout out to duke Duke? the merchant oh yeah i don't know if you've you've, i've run into him run into him yet yes shout out to him i love duke yeah why he's fantastic i again i think he's one of the voice actors and performer performances that i really dig that's really really good Mm. and i just i just dig his vibe i love his character model yeah. Um. As big as he is, I I think it's it's really 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 cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. I I j- I just ran across him, and um. Also, shout out to the gunplay, which is it's it doesn't feel as clunky as other Resident Evils, but you do feel weighted. Like it does feel yeah. really good when you're when you're shooting the pistol or the shotgun. It's it's a and triggers feel great too. Yeah. Especially shooting that shotgun, you really oh, yeah. have to pull that trigger. Feels yeah, great. it feels great. So overall, we recommend Resident Evil. Again, Kyle finished it. I have and Hopefully by next week, I have because we got a lot of our on our plate next week. We'll be talking about Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Kyle, are you starting at one or are you going to start at two? I'm starting at one. Same here. I think I may yeah. even stream it on Friday. That's how excited I am about this. Sweet. I do not yeah. normally stream, but man, 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 I cannot wait for Mass Effect. And yeah, so still more to look out for. Again, that is our thoughts on Resident Evil Village. Um, do you think you're going to be talking about this at the end of the year, Kyle? Do you think it's going to be one of those games, Game of the Year contender? Do you think I it's a Game of the Year contender? My, I don't think it beats out Returnal for me. Okay, okay, fair. I do think in our current state, I do think it's a top five. Okay. But I don't know if it will stay in that top five by the end of the year. I think there's some other titles that are coming that are going to bump it out. See, my thing with Returnal, I've soured on it since even our Road to Greatness. I know. 
because not that it looks, the game is great. It's just too buggy right now. Um, it you know I didn't get to experience the bugs until their latest patch, which I my game crashed and it's it, it crashed my PS5 so bad, Kyle. My PS5 crashed. Yeah, and I my because of that the last trophy glitched, and I'm not getting a platinum in that game. So now I gotta go look at a cheap platinum to buy and be my returnal <laughs> quote unquote trophy. It sucks, but it yeah. is what it is, unfortunately. That's, yeah, that mm-hmm. that end game collectible grind is a bummer. Yeah. In Returnal. It's not I a good trophy like, list. I played like four hours today just trying to find that f- f- Scout Log 9. Honestly, Kyle, I'm I think it's a, one. I think I I honestly think you should give up. Joe, I have to. I don't. This is the easiest collectible grind I could possibly Kyle, get. I just got to find the room. Kyle. It just needs to spawn, Joe. I'm not giving up. I, it's so close. <laughs> this needs to be number 99 and Ratchet needs to be number 100. I need to get it done. Here's the thing. and You're coming at me strong here. I need you to back off. I'm telling you, as a friend, I got, I got my last thing to spawn. I got so excited. I jumped over the ledge when even a, like like the game, like I missed the time on it, but I was able to glitch it and get get the thing. And then the trophy didn't pop. And as much love as I had, I was like, yes, we did it. And then I was like, and of course the tro- trophy doesn't pop. Of course, that'd be my goddamn luck. That said, this has I been the Trophy Room. A PlayStation podcast made by the players for the players. And before we head on out here, I want to just give a few shout outs to some amazing reviews we got on Apple Podcasts. Um, and again, from all over the globe, I want to thank everybody for going out there last week, especially we got a ton of support. Thank you all so much. And make sure you rate us five stars. Tell us why. Tweet at us a picture of it so you get enrolled in that Ratchet and Clank PS5 giveaway. But our first review is titled, with all that said, dot, 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 and all that out of the way, this is my favorite PlayStation podcast, and there are a few good ones, but Joe and Kyle do a great job every week of, pro- of, of providing a couple of hours of entertainment. Worth a listen if you're a PlayStation 5. Thank you over there from Thank Great you. Britain. A breath of fresh air. This comes from a uh, court over from Canada. It's an exotic country. Kyle and Joe are exceptionally well-versed in the world of PlayStation. They shine a light on lesser known titles and give honest feedback. They stay away from putting people down and always decide to lift people up. I couldn't recommend their podcast more to any video game fan. Thank you so much, Court from Canada. And then- Yeah, shout out to Court. Yeah. I was on their his podcast, uh, Three Dads Podcast. I will so be next week as well. well. Yeah, look sweet. At us. Yeah, look at us. Um, and this comes from uh, Druby over from Australia, giving us a five star. God knows we need it over there. We're fighting. We're fighting that uphill battle over <laughs> over in the land from down under. They Is right that where in. Earthy Cheese's mom's at? Is she possibly? Australia? Possibly. Got words for Earthy Cheese's mom. A place to call home and a store of those well earned trophies. Every, two very passionate people who love PlayStation. From pressing the sacred symbols to seeing the games move on their screen, these guys love it all. Definitely recommend. This is Joseph and Kyle's passion and love letter to the hobby they hold close to their heart. Please support these great people. Thank you oh, so much. That is I so. I love that one. 
Yeah, that is so, so thank you. These honest to goodness, these reviews really just build me up. You know what I mean? Like this really Yeah. It it hits they, in the heart. They tell my imposter syndrome and doubt to like, hey, take a back seat. Yeah. I don't want to hear from you. Today. Exactly. I just want to hear Daddy. the good things. So again, yeah. make sure you join those people. You give us a five star review over on Apple Podcasts. We'll not just read it on the show, but we will also get you enrolled in that Ratchet and Clank giveaway. All right, that's the third and last time that this episode. I'm gonna mention it again next. Let episode. us you buy can. you a game, please. How hard must we ask? <laughs> How many times must we ask it? That has been the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast made by the players for the players. I have been your host, Joseph. Kyle, is there anything you'd like to spotlight before you head on out of here, my good friend? Sure. Uh, I like to spotlight myself, Mr. KSF, on Twitter and on PSN. You can follow everything I do on the indie game side of things over at 61indie.com, twitch.tv slash 61indie, Twitter, uh, 61indie, youtube.com slash 61indie, 61indie everywhere. And uh, catch me next week on a show called PS I Love You XOXO. Over on Kind of Funny's channel. Um, yeah, that's going to be wild. Uh, that will probably be live next Tuesday, I believe, the 18th. God knows uh, they need man. it over there. They need any any hit attraction they need. Yeah, so that's yeah, why yeah. they call the big guns us. Yeah. Or go you, go watch me hopefully uh, hopefully stun the world a little bit. You know what I you mean? You are going to. You're so good, Kyle. And again, like going back <laughs> to the beginning of the show, everybody knows it. Everybody knows it but you, it seems. You're amazing. I'll Thank slap you, you in the mouth if you say anything different. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Smack. I'll put the VR helmet on. Let me get the haptic <laughs> feedback of it. Oh, my God. That just, it sounds like, that sounds awful. <laughs> Kyle, I love you so much. Happy birthday, brother. With all that said, with all that out of the Thank way, you. keep your wits about you. Keep hunting. And keep playing PlayStation. Did I forget the Bloodborne TV show? It's <laughs> not real. That's why. It's not happening. Oh, it's not? Honestly, uh, that website was very sketchy. And no one else picked it up. And it hurt my soul. But you always got to hope. Keep playing PlayStation. So how many days? <laughs>